Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Podcast time. Wait, before the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe and leave a review after the podcast and just share it with your mates if you enjoy it because it means the world to me. Um... The idea of the podcast is for you all to hear conversations between me and friends or me and artists that I look up to or people that I find really interesting. And if you find it interesting, I'm sure somebody else will find it interesting. So it'd be amazing if you could share it. If you don't like it, then fine. Bin it off. It's fine. I'm happy with that. Anyway, podcast time. Nala. Nala has came or became on my radar just before lockdown. Um, and she obviously is part of the Dirty Bird crew, and it's really nice to see new artists come through on the on the Dirty Bird platform. Um, her music is really special and really strong, really well made, and I it was kind of a different different vibe or a different variation of what Dirty Bird was doing at that time. And she sits really well as her own artist, which is really important to me as somebody listening to music and wanting to kind of follow an artist. So I love what she does. She's a lovely human being. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to leave you with the podcast. So without further ado, Nala. Nala, what's cooking? What's up? How are you? Really good. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Sorry for um, sorry for getting you up so early. It's okay. I try to wake up at like 9 a.m. every day if I can. That's good. Do you have like a yeah. do you have like a morning ritual? Yeah, usually I wake up and then I get coffee and then I like stare at the wall for about like 30 minutes and then my day starts. <laughs> so what what point have I interrupted? Are you in your staring at wall stage? Um no, I haven't even had coffee yet. Oh, but shit. we're good. <laughs> Do you wanna, did you want to get one? No, no, it's cool. Cool. How's life? Life is good. I'm finally like getting into a like comfort zone with for life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's not as crazy on my mental health. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was like some ups and downs for the first like two months. And then afterwards I had a conversation with Justin Jay and his like never ending optimism just like shook me. And I was like, all right, cool. Now I've been like good ever since. <laughs> what, what were the, what were the mental health issues? It was just like, um, well, it's kind of like lonely on the road. Mm. And then like you have these like great shows and then there's like a lull and mm. then there's a great show. And so it's like, you're kind of just, it's like acrobats. Yeah. I feel like I should close my windows because it's kind of loud outside today. Okay. One sec. No worries. Yeah, I could hear the birds. Oh, yeah. Say annoy me. 
<laughs> I kind of like it. I kind of like the the birds in the background. Is it not relaxing or are they just super annoying? Oh, it totally is. You know what's really funny about that is that when I lived downtown, I didn't like, I lived in this like really awesome, massive loft, but we only had like balcony windows. Yeah. We didn't have like windows throughout the rest of the apartment. So like my room never had windows. Mm. So I had like a little sun lamp that would like, light up and then birds would chirp to wake me up in the morning <laughs> and now i have like actual birds and i'm like shut up <laughs> it's so annoying especially because i like i try to record vocals i'm sure birds are in every single thing i record these days so it's kind of fit it's kind of fit in being signed to dirty bird right yeah 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 i guess so yeah for dirty bird and pets i've got like all the animals oh yeah you're on pets as well aren't you yeah that yeah sense. i love i love the cats and dog boys they're the best Oh, they're the greatest. I love them too. They're so awesome. Um, I want to talk about because as a, from what, from an outsider, you're still very early in your career of being a DJ producer out into the public, right? I'm sure you've been doing it for years. I know you were kind of doing the circuit in Miami for a while. Yeah. Um, but no one ever sees that, right? So No, that, that part like doesn't even exist. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> from like the public point of view is you're still fairly new on the scene. But for somebody fairly new on the scene, you've been doing extremely well. And oh, it's kind thanks. to it's kind to be it's kind of like seems like it's gotten very big very quickly gosh i i hope it looks like that but i i don't feel that way but maybe i'm just like my worst critic how do you feel so. i want to talk about that how do you feel um well i definitely think that like there's just lots of room for improvement maybe my goals are set a little high and then uh and i don't know maybe that's like my own <laughs> it's a it's a motivational thing for sure but it's also like sometimes my own downfall but um yeah i, I think like there's just definitely room for improvement um but is there not always we, room for improvement yeah i guess so i mean i would hope so i definitely like sometimes fantasize i'm like oh i wonder when i get to like plateau but i was just talking to your manager mm -hmm. ryan about that like i don't even remember when but he's like oh no it never ends <laughs> And even, even Teed was like, there is no finish line. I'm uh, like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's crazy to me. But yeah, I mean, I guess like to some degree I am doing good right now and that's awesome. Um, but I am very competitive. So mm. I'm like, okay, I got to do better. You know, I have to do more. So are you competitive so, to yourself or with others? Oh, like both. Okay. I'm, I mean, to myself, I'm always like, okay, we have to do one, one step up, one step up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, even with others and that's the part that I think is like unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I try not to be that way. Um, but again, like, you know, I always take like bad things and make it like very, like, it's my source of motivation is mm. like all the, maybe like the negative emotion or experience. Uh, so I'm always like, okay, like, yeah, that sucked, but let's try and do better. <laughs> Give me an example. I, cause I, cause I feel like this is so common in, <laughs> in careers, right? It's so common. And for yeah. me, it's like really common as well. Like I, I have that nearly every week to a certain extent. Right. Um, but, but it's kind of funny, right? Cause like, um, I'm not 
I don't know, like maybe, I don't know what like someone that um, is like strictly underground or strictly commercial has to deal with. Um, but I do like really try to straddle like the line of both of those things, which then I think is you get to see kind of like two worlds and, and they don't really mix very well. <laughs> so it's like, you can have a really great commercial success. Right. And you're like, wow, this is so cool. I'm getting a lot of plays mm. or, you know, commercial, but like you're getting like a lot of like the data is aligning with the, the music. And yeah. so you're like, wow, okay, I'm doing really well. And then you're like, okay, great. Like, let me release something underground, mm. but then the numbers don't align. And you're like, was this not a success? Yeah. And like, it's just like that kind of, competitive thought process makes you like, it's just not healthy. So do you, <laughs> like, do you base your success on numbers? Um, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, like I am data driven. So mm. like, sure. It's a, it's initially a like artistic success personally. Cause I've, I wrote the song, it got signed. So clearly there's like a, a level of like approval towards it. Um, but then like when the numbers come in, and this is something that actually I was just talking about with, there's this really awesome producer from San Francisco called uh, UFO. I don't know mm. if you're familiar with him, nice. but he does like jungle and drum and bass. He's been around since like before Dirty Bird, like Claude Von Stroke tried to sign to his label before yeah. Dirty Bird started mm. and was not accepted. <laughs> but anyway, so I was talking to him actually this weekend and he, he was, um, John Tejada teaches at USC yeah. and he had a class of, kids and i guess they're all kind of dealing with like um issues regarding production and the the biggest issue is that they have this like psychological like wall that's stopping them from writing because they feel like that the numbers are not aligning with their writing so they feel like they're not doing it well yeah. so they're like oh i'm not producing well because the data isn't aligning so i think it's kind of like an, a millennial gen z thing is that we're like not in this bubble of like, this is just my art and I don't care what the numbers mean. Um, like, cause there are like, we don't really have that kind of data set versus now we have like in real time data. I mean, like you go on Spotify the day of a release, you could see the numbers just ticking, 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 you know? So it doesn't, I don't think it creates a very good like mental headspace. And apparently that is an issue that's also like plaguing like students at USC right now is that yeah. they're, hitting a wall of their own like I think accord. I think if I'm honest with you I think it's it's just a issue in all walks of life when anything digital happened I don't know if you remember when right. when Instagram kind of first put the like button on and when you could see how many likes people get like it got to the point where people were trying to they would compare their photos to their friends because one got more likes than, right. than others and and i think taking that out of the music and how other people can kind of relate to that i feel that happens every day but i also think is that something that we've always done as human beings is measure ourselves somehow based on something and yeah, I mean, if you want to get really existential, I mean, that is like the, <laughs> that is the component of human existence is mm. competitiveness. So yeah, it's like, I, and I think, I think about that in like a so sociological sense as well, because mm. I'm just like, what's going on in this world? And, uh, and I'm just kind of like, all right, well, this is like part of human nature, right, is to be competitive and compare and, you know, the strong survive this kind of mentality, like survival of the fittest, you yeah. know, 
And it's just, I don't think it's healthy, right? Like I, I think there is like, it, it would be beneficial for all of us to just find inner peace, but I don't know how realistic that is. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think also I love the idea of inner peace, right? But I think does inner peace, have you truly met, like, I want to really know, have you truly met somebody that's fully yes. at peace? Well, I don't know fully at peace, but I did meet Sadhguru, like the super famous guru guy. Um, yeah. And he's just like constantly like neutrally happy. So I, I was like, okay. I wonder if he does he's doing something right. I wonder if he's like <laughs> super weird in other ways that no one knows about. I know. You know. <laughs> like he a has a, he's currently on the thing about uh, saving soil. So that's how I ended up meeting him is it was really random. I was with like the, I was with the like, will I am from the black eyed peas and like, Pasquale was there <laughs> from Insomniac. It was like such a weird group of people. And I was just there like, okay, I'm here watching Sadhguru talk to like 10 people. And it was really interesting. And he was just talking about the importance of soil. And now I follow his Instagram and it's full of really great like isms about how to be happy in life. I, yeah, I. So we, we've really gone off the rail. Sorry. Okay. No, no, I like this. I don't want this <laughs> like, just I'm to be about music. Because the thing is, is like, I listened to a podcast with him before and i'd never heard of him before and i couldn't carry on listening i yeah, didn't i okay. didn't finish it all because i'm like this isn't real life <laughs> like i right. i know for him like i want to know how he got there like how did he get to that point where there's where he's super at peace because i feel like that's that's the issue what 99.99% of the people are trying to get to is like, what was the journey for you to get there? It's all good. Like we, we all like inspirational quotes, right? We all like go yeah. on Instagram and be like, yeah, I like that inspirational quote. Let's share it. <laughs> but then we forget about it 10 minutes later because we've not seen that our tracks been supported on housework. Right. right exactly. <laughs> so it's like, how do we, or like some dude or some girl has rejected you or like whatever it is in life. Like there's a point where something has to break that peace. And is there such thing as peace, like internal peace? Like, does he, does he really have that? It, or is I mean, it just a front that he sells books? I mean, I would say that, from like a cognitive psychology perspective, mm. if every day you are practicing a specific mindset, um, and I think his, I've recently watched one where he was like, I try to treat every day as if I'm like, kind of like a, a newborn, just yeah. like with pure curiosity. I don't judge anything. I just kind of like let it happen mm. and just inquire and like, just basically trying to withhold judgment. Um, and I don't know if that's humanly possible, right? We don't really know what's going on inside of him. But from a cognitive perspective, like scientifically, if you did practice that every single day, it would just become like a force of habit. Mm. So it's possible. I don't know. It's, I have no idea what goes on inside his head. I, I feel this exact same way about Justin J, by the way. I'm like, are you ever mad? It's like my question. It's like, I'm like, you are like the happiest person I've ever met. Do you ever get mad? Yeah, but I, I, I like I know with Justin, like I know he has struggles through being an artist and I know he has struggles in life and it's just how you deal with them, right? Right. So he's like super optimistic and happy. Mm. I've seen him like navigate through all sorts of weird things and I'm like, wow, he's just like chilling, Kidding. like smiling yeah. and just grateful to be here. <laughs> I really like that attitude. No, I, <laughs> I love that attitude. I think I think there's 
people we need these people in the world to kind of look up to and mimic ourselves on and even if we can take like a small percentage of what they do and then it kind of can help our lives I think oh i totally great. did and that's yeah. what i was saying before is that like i i was going through like a tour slump where i was just like not it was just I just felt like I was getting battered. <laughs> it was like constant, um, like flight delays or like, I don't know, hospitality issues, shows, some shows not doing well, some shows doing great. Mm. So the, the ups and downs were just like this. And, um, and I was talking to Justin Jay about it and he's like, you know what? Like I played a show at a really, in like a really small city and there were like three people there. And he's like, and this is someone that's plays for huge crowds. Yeah. He's like, and you know, it's like a small city, but those three people were so excited to see me. And like, I was just so excited to play for them. Mm. So at the end of the day, it was still a really great show because I, I had fun, they had fun and that's all that matters. And I was like, Oh, that is such an optimistic way to view things. Um, like to go through all the trouble of getting to someplace and then like it not being a well-promoted show or whatever the case may be in that circumstance and to still come out of it and be like, that was good. It's like, mm. that is like something I aspire to. <laughs> I, I would like to see his process on how long it took him to get to the point where, oh, everyone had fun. Right. Because I don't, I, I say for, exi- for example, like I played a show in Nashville and I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but I played a show in Nashville and there was a bunch of hype about it and then it was just an awful show. Like it was terrible. And, and that happens. <laughs> it happens. It's life, right? So it's often. The best it's of like, us. It's uh, like up and down. But if I look back at it, everybody there had the best time. Right. Did I have the best time? No. <laughs> and it's okay for me not to have the best time. It's okay to not have an amazing time all the time. Right? Like that's just what life's about. But do I... It's what I do with that afterwards. It's do I sit in a wall and go, oh my God, that's depressing. (laughs) Or do I look at it and go, there's a lot of room to grow in Nashville for me. Like there was still 50, there was still 50 to a hundred people there. Like next time we need 200 people there. Right. And how do I work towards that? Yeah. And how do I work towards that for the next time? Because I'm not fucking Chris Lake. I'm not Fisher. Like, I'm not whoever is that's going to sell a thousand tickets there. I know I'm not that person. So I think it's like, how high do you hold your expectations? Are your expectations actually a reality of who you are as a human being or as an artist? Or are your expectations super high, which actually sets sets yourself up to fail every time you go to a show? Yeah, I mean, I... Well, first of all, now I get... um, ticket counts from my agent just to know like dangerous where I'm at. (laughs) Um, and, but I had a show, uh, recently like in Dallas, for instance, where I had a lot of core, like I'd I'd say like a handful of core fans there. Mm. Um, but overall it was, it was my first time in Dallas. Amazing. Um, and it wasn't a busy show at all. It was Mm. on a Thursday Mm. also on top of everything else. Um, and you know, we didn't sell that many tickets and that, and that was something I went, but, and then in retrospect, like um, in perspective, also the next night I was playing in Austin and it was like, a, like not sold out, but it was probably like 500 to 700 people there. Yeah. So it was like 
it's just like up and down. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not, first of all, something that I should be basing myself worth off of. But, um, but yeah, so I went to that Dallas show, um, and with the expectation that there wouldn't be that many people there, I had already just spoken to Justin Jay. So I had this new outlook on life where I was like, even if there's two people, I'm going to DJ for them and I'm going to make sure they have the best time of their life. And, um, and yeah, there was probably like 50 to hundred as well. Yeah. Like, um, and, um, and I did, I DJed my ass off for this, like 50 to hundred group of people. I was giving out shots. I was going crazy. Um, and, <laughs> and they had the best time of their life. They were yeah. living. People were doing like, um, like break dancing, like, you know, and so it's, you know, in my head, it's like, yeah, I mean, that show wasn't great. Mm. And like, I probably won't be coming back to Dallas for a little bit, yeah. but, um, but until then, you know, I'm, at least those people can go home and be like, she was fun, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then of course, like I went the next day to Austin and, and that show was a blowout. Mm. So, and I, I've noticed lately I have been having like shows like that, where it's like one shows meh, the other yeah. one's like great. So I'm, it, that is like the elasticity of my brain right now mm. where I'm just like, okay, I can't, if I, if I like, um, base my validation on these like external factors, I'm going to, literally lose my shit. So I gotta, (laughs) I just gotta be like internally just thrilled to be there, play for people, make sure they're happy. Mm. Um, so that everyone can go home and be like, that was great. Yeah. (laughs) You know? No, I like Um, that. I think, I think for me is also is like, since coming back to touring, which is like over a year ago now, like, I think for me, that's been a one main major part for me is to like actually try and enjoy it because I, there was so many times that I was, very similar to you where it's every show has to be a sellout and if it's not a sellout it's failed and and that kind of mentality of like the only way to be a successful dj is to sell out every show it's utter bullshit it's right it's the most head fucky thing because you're just constantly looking at the crowd and going oh it's not a sellout and then you're not even enjoying it which means that they're not enjoying it and it's just this kind right. of and like they can tell. yeah 100 <laughs> they can tell like even when i played yeah. that national show they probably could tell that i was like this is not fun <laughs> um so yeah i mean that's kind of like the thing i started doing is like uh, forcing myself to have fun, um, and getting really, really interactive with the crowd. Mm. That was like one thing, especially if it's a small crowd, like just like engaging with them, handing out shots, like taking from my rider. Cause I'm not drinking like every show. So I'm yeah. like, okay, here we go. Let's get you drunk. Um, <laughs> and like, just trying to make the best out of it. Uh, cause like, you know, at the end of the day, if it becomes work, then like you, this is, we got into this because it was fun, not yeah. because it was work. So if we're getting into it and starting to feel like work, we're not going to be happy in this mm. industry. And like, we're really lucky to be in this industry, yeah. I would say. So, um, so yeah, I am, I've been in like a perspective shift because I really was like, um, bumming out and especially with just like, like flights are, I mean, I make this joke all the time, but like our booking fees are not for the show. They're for the flight and travel to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Cause it's just so miserable. So I like, I, I'm, I am trying to just like have fun when I do land in these cities. Mm. Another thing I've been doing is like getting really familiar with the cities that I'm in, like in terms of like culture yeah and nature and that's been really helpful too so, <laughs> so do you, i've been finding ways to like uh, alleviate the suffering no <laughs> i feel that so do, that. do you try and go to the, the city like earlier and just like spend time in the city 
Um, I mean, it depends, but like I was just in Alaska. And so instead of flying back to LA, I stayed in Alaska and then went for, to the next weekend to electric forest. Oh, wow. Um, and I, and I was, it was amazing. Like mm. I've noticed that nature is like the ultimate cure to 100%. everything. So yeah. It's the best. So I just like, I played in Alaska and then I stayed for five days. I got to see like bears and mooses. And I, I flew in a glacier, like on a helicopter to a glacier with like, what's so not. <laughs> and, uh, and we got to drink water out of a glacier and it was like, <laughs> it was, and these are like little things. I'm like, this is why I do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so I could travel the world and see these amazing things and play music for people that like Alaska, like I yeah. never thought I'd ever go to Alaska. And I'm I, so I'm finding ways to like make the best out of the experience and yeah, staying in cities and experiencing like the nature and the food and mm. things like that really help. Will I fly? I'll try to fly early enough where I can get dinner at the very least. Um, and if, and I'll stay in certain places if I have like the accommodations to do so. So like with Austin, my, my Dallas show was like on a Thursday, I had Friday off and then my show on Austin was Saturday. So I got to explore Austin. Yeah. I went to like, um, like this river and I got to swim in the river. It was it's like, it's like that. There, isn't it? It's so, cool. <laughs> it's so pretty. I love so. Austin so much. I would, I nearly moved there this year. I was so close to moving. It's, it's a nice city. And the food scene is like popping right now. Yeah, it's solid. <laughs> it's so fucking expensive. It's just as expensive as LA now. It's become that way. Yeah. yeah. That's because everyone in LA moved there. Yeah. Motherfuckers. <laughs> you LA people. Well, you're not even LA people. Are you, were you born in Miami? Are you from Miami? No, I'm from LA originally, actually. Motherfuckers. You're one of those. I know. Well, actually, no, everyone is a transplant. And then they move. <laughs> That's very true, and then actually. They move. That's very true. The original LA people, yeah. we don't bother anyone. No, okay. This is true. <laughs> yeah, there's not many original LA people. There isn't. Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up here. Um, I did go to Miami. It's kind of a complicated story, but to sum it up, I went halfway through high school and then college. Yeah. Which one do you prefer? I love LA. Um, I like the food here and I like the nature here. Um, and I like, I like, I find the people really interesting. Mm. Um, you really encounter like just like the most unique people here. Cause everyone is fulfilling some sort of dream. Um, I recently like met this like entire apartment. It was like a house, I guess, of like Ukrainian people, mm. artists. Um, and they were like the nicest, coolest people. They all are, it's just like, a, it was like <laughs> an artistic outpost for Ukraine basically. Um, but like, they were all super sweet and they're incredibly talented. Mm. And like, I I don't know. I just feel like I wouldn't have gotten that experience in Miami, Yeah, you know? Um, Miami, I guess is like a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, and also I like the diversity of the music here. Whereas yeah. like, I felt like for a long time, especially when I was living in Miami, it was pretty like, it was like tech house. It was like tech house or rap. Mm. And that was it. Like EDM tech house rap. Yeah. Um, and I really like live music. So mm. um, it's nice to meet people. Like for instance, like this Ukrainian guy, his name is like Aspen Forest. And he released like the most flawless indie album, like indie alternative album I've ever heard that no one here is going to hear like, cause it's just like on Spotify with like no promotion and <laughs> no label, nothing. And it's like, those are cool experiences that I get to have in LA, which I, I think that because Miami is a smaller city, I wouldn't get to have that same experience. Miami is a different country as well. It's not, it is a different country. It's not, America. it's basically like Latin America and Europe. Yeah. It's not America at all. 
maybe the laws maybe I don't know apart from that it's not really (laughs) (laughs) so with your new Ukrainian friend do you think he compares himself to others oh he like does not care he does it because he loves it and that's it like it's like but and I'm over here like well like you should be on TikTok or something right like you need to promote it somehow you know And, and he like made these music videos and like it really is like so it's such a flawless album it almost mm. feels like it was written by ai yeah. um <laughs> but yeah it's kind of like uh an interesting experience because like i'm so i guess at this point so industry where i'm like well you know like you people need to hear this like mm. how are you getting this to people's ears you know um because like this deserves all the attention um and he just doesn't he's like whatever next album I'm like, what? <laughs> so there's something yeah. amazing about people. Like they're the people that we need to hang around with. Yeah, totally. Because exactly. They're the people that are truly, I feel like they're the inner peace people where they've just somehow <laughs> got there where they don't care. But I guess they're also the people that can't pay their rent. Well, his house is pretty nice. Honestly, I don't know how he pays his rent. That's also <laughs> like a common thing that you find in LA is like, That's how are you LA. doing for rent? No one works in LA. No, I'm yeah. No one, no one earns money in LA. I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, for thought. years before I got signed with Dirty Bird, um, I, I was doing like the local like uh, DJ circuit, like any local gig, anything from like you know opening slots at nightclubs to like hotel gigs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. And it wasn't consistent by any means, and it didn't pay very much. So in between that, like I was also secretly like trimming weed for drug dealers. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's legal here, but I don't know if that operation was, um, but yeah, I mean like anything to make money where I didn't have to get like a nine to five job, which would take away from my like goals. So yeah, people in LA, I think we all have like secret jobs, you Mm. know, or like things we don't really tell people. (laughs) Why is, why, why do we not tell people? Why do do people not tell people? About trimming weed? No, just about just secret jobs. (laughs) Like people don't talk about their jobs. Well, I guess cause they're trying to uphold an image, right? Um, Mm. And also it was not part of my career path. I wasn't going to be like, yeah, I am like really passionate about trimming weed for people, you know? But it is part of your (laughs) career path. Well, it is. Well, it's a part of the story. It wasn't like what I was trying to To achieve. Yeah. (laughs) So for me, it was a lot of like, no, I am a DJ. I just DJ. Um, Even though like, yeah, I was just doing like local gigs at the time. Do you, so do you think you've, feel like you need to have a persona an image for people to kind of take seriously or do you think if you were to tell somebody that you have another job that people are going to judge you differently um it wasn't necessarily that like I could have done a nine-to-five job and been like and I do this during the day Mm. um but my dad was like very he told me this quote from like I think it was like Jay Leno Mm. um who was like if you want to pursue a career in the arts, you can't do anything else. You can't have the security of a regular job because then it'll take away from your like drive mm. to achieve something within art. Um, so that's why like, I just didn't, um, I just like didn't get a real job mm. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like in terms of like my like side hustles, yeah, I didn't really want to tell people about things I was doing. It's not exactly like the most admirable job. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I was just trying to focus on like the good part, which yeah. is like, oh yeah, I'm a DJ. I'm I write music and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's something about that, isn't it? Because 
there is like a big hoo-ha or hush-hush of people that still have jobs and work in the arts. And I don't know why. I really don't know why that is. Maybe it is for like what you said with the Jay Leno. Is like I don't agree with it personally, but maybe that's what it is. I have no idea. My dad was very adamant about like forcing me into the creative world. He's like, you got to do it. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's interesting that he did tell me that. He was like, be broke. Be broke so that you can one day be good in music. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, dad, thanks. <laughs> Does... He's an artist himself. So I was so going to say, like, is he an artist himself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he worked in like the film industry mm. and like, He's older. He's like mm. retired now, but yeah. he was working in like New York, Broadway, not, nice. not necessarily Broadway, uh, off Broadway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was an actor. So that's cool. Do you think you got the creative side from him? Um, I think it was encouraged, mm. uh, but none of, no one in my family is in music. Mm. So they're like, where did that come from? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, my family was definitely encouraging of the arts and, um, and yeah, I think all their friends were also artists. Mm. I mean, it's just like, if you had a kid, you, you know, I guess you're in music, but like you would kind of be encouraging of like their artistic endeavors as well. Yeah, totally. I think not that I ever want kids, but yeah, I think it's the, there's so many people that have had like really unsupportive parents oh yeah and that's it, a huge part of it and i think it's really sad <laughs> that there's a huge <laughs> part of somebody's life especially your kid's life that you don't support because they don't align with your views of what life should be it's weird right. yeah i mean i think also it's a cultural thing i think a lot of those kids come from like they're like first generation yeah so maybe massive. they have like their parents are like kind of really holding out hope mm. that they, you know, can find a career path that will support the family, yeah, you know, totally. um, which personally, I think music can be that. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that because mm. there's a lot of programs in like underprivileged communities out here that uh, teach kids how to produce music and things like that. So I think people are starting to realize that is like a viable career path but yeah i think for a long time most people are like why aren't you going to be a lawyer or Mm. a doctor you know so so when talking about music as a career path when was it for you where you were like this is the one this is how i'm going to make my money oh i got fired from my marketing job (laughs) because i was djing (laughs) so (laughs) but it was i mean they laid me off they were really kind about it but i was in college i was already I was studying advertising in college um, in Miami. Mm. And then I was already working in the field and I was making like $15 an hour. Mm. Um, And then I DJ, I started DJing on the weekends and I I had just started, but um, I'd get gigs and I'd get like a hundred bucks or $200. Right. And I'm like, what the heck? This is like the amount I make doing like work all week in an office. Yeah. Like why, what? So my motivation, like just naturally declined at work. And I was just, I would just sit there and like be so miserable and they noticed and they were just like, listen, like we think that you just like aren't really passionate about this anymore. So we're going to like give you like a paid severance and like, good luck. 
have fun being a DJ. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I, I was like, kind of like a, like, well, go little bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so for like a month and a half, I had like, um, like my paid severance. And then I was able to kind of get established more as like a, a DJ. Okay. And then I moved to LA after college and had to start all over again because mm. uh, I, had, I had a good circuit going in Miami where I was making enough to survive. Uh, and then I came to LA and had to start all over again. Yeah. And so that took about like a year. What year was years. this? 2016. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it just was like a slow building process. Um, and I got to a good point right before the pandemic, but I am grateful for the pandemic in one sense, because um, I was so wrapped up in like the local circuit mm. that it would have been hard for me to break out of it. Had I not had like a whole year of like no Nothing. gigs. Yeah. Um, so it's then really I, interesting. Back, local circuits yeah. are really interesting, aren't they? Because I feel like you have them in every single city and I was never in one personally. Like, well, I, I was in one in Ibiza where I was just always doing shows in Ibiza as a resident. Um, and then it got to a point for me where I was like, I have to stop doing this to grow. I like, right, exactly. I, yeah. It's, it's weird like a that, good thing and then a bad thing at yeah. the same time. It's, and then it's a hard thing. I don't know about you, f f how it was for you back in LA, but like I was never in the Bristol scene in the UK. I was never been a part of the Bristol scene and kind of played occasionally. But to then get into the Bristol scene now where I'm a bigger name is even harder. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I've heard this. Um, actually Walker and Weiss had a similar story in regards to New York. Yeah. Um, and I had a similar story with Miami. Miami didn't mm. book me for the first year outside of the pandemic. Mm. Um, and that's my, that's my home turf as yeah, a DJ. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, I had to go back and hang out with everyone yeah. and like buddy up with the promoters and be like, remember me? Mm. And, and that's when they started being like, we love her. And then it's like, <laughs> that's when they, they started booking me again, but it is kind of strange. Uh, like, and you know, actually this is really funny too, is that like, uh, they talk about it in that Kanye West documentary mm. where he's like, yeah, Chicago was my biggest supporter until they weren't yeah. until I was so big that they didn't want to put on for me anymore because they felt like I turned my back on them. Mm. You know, it's like things like that. It's like a very interesting, um, like, it's like almost like a power dynamic. Yeah. It's almost like you're allowed to be your hours until, yeah. Until you get so big that everybody else wants you. Now we don't want you. Now we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Right. It's weird. Like you didn't bring us with you. So then we're leaving you behind. So weird. <laughs> human, yeah. human beings are interesting creatures, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I studied psychology uh, initially in college. Um, that was like going to be my career path mm. prior. Um, before I was like, wow, this is a little heavy. <laughs> I don't think I could do this anymore. <laughs> um, went to advertising the most like superficial industry. Yeah. Cause I was like, get me out of here. It's too deep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, a lot of like what I write musically is like uh, psychoanalysis of the human condition, I think. So I'm always just like really like thinking about these things with my morning coffee when I stare at my wall. Staring at walls. <laughs> when did the producing start for you then? Because yeah, that wasn't, wasn't long ago. When did the producing record start for you? Because it wasn't long ago, surely. Uh, no, I started about six months after I picked up DJing. Oh, okay. So 2016. Cool. Um, 
And I had a weird mentorship path Mm. in regards to music production. First, I started, like, when I first started learning, I was learning through an engineer that worked with DJ Khaled in Miami. Amazing. So that wasn't, like, the best because it's, like, hip-hop. And it's also very, like, hip-hop is, like, pretty simple, I would say, uh, in terms of, like, textures. You're going to have so many people kill you for saying that. Just I know, know, I know. I mean, it's okay, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like you're not like you could technically have like a lot more, but like, uh, especially like at that time, it was like trap, so it was like bass. Well, like, hip, I feel like hip hop is the the instrumental side of hip hop is a vehicle for the voice, right? Yeah. Whereas house and techno isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have a voice, or sometimes the voice is the vehicle for the for the actual record. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, it was, like, interesting to start there. It's just a different sound. It's just Mm. different uh, approaches, and, like, it requires, like, different synth. Like, there's just not, like, a lot of synth work, you know, things like that, which is, like, where I love to create the most is Mm. within, like, melodies and vocals and synths. Um, But then from there, I ended up moving to L.A., and I ended up um, working with this guy, Nusi, who um, came from, like, a indie experimental background he was in a band called 100 waters mm. and then he like left to start his own creative project um and that's when i had met him so he taught me all of these like really like bizarro techniques and styles and like that sent me on like a whole different journey so i got taken into like the underground really hard yeah and then i like slowly started taking my way back uh and it was in 2019 i had released an ep that was like down tempo um and like indie uh and i was like okay like i'm a dj i can't be releasing like band music yeah um <laughs> uh so i was like i need to start going into like the electronic space um and that's when i started working with barkley from uh dirty bird claude mm. stroke um is right when i decided okay i need like i need to work with a label and i need to like make music for a label now yeah and um and he was like a really good mentor for the electronic music process. But I've had like, again, like hip hop into like indie experimental weird music into like, you know, tech house commercial, like kind of commercial uh, uh, dance music, I guess, yeah, yeah. underground. My my interpretation of commercial is so different <laughs> than probably like everyone else's. What but is yeah. your, what is your interpretation of commercial? Uh, is that it's cat, like it's relatively catchy. Like, okay. So yeah. Whereas like, to me, underground music is like not catchy at all. It's like weird, disjointed, crazy, mm. you know. Yeah. Left field. I yeah, I think that, I think underground is a really weird saying because truly, for me, like underground is like there's zero money being made. <laughs> right. There's right. It's like and the numbers don't line up. <laughs> th- there's no numbers because it's underground. There's no numbers. Like. It's literally like a community of people that don't like letting other people in their community. That's what it is for me. Well, that's, that is the, that is a thought that I have in my head, like every day when I wake up and choose the violence of being both in the underground and in the commercial, I guess, right, uh, spaces, is that I'm like, I'm kind of like, I think about those people and I think I have their thought, like the, the, that ideal in my head where they're like, Oh, she's on this label or she's releasing this type of music. And then I come out and I release an underground EP Mm. and I'm like, 
and what, you know, uh, I'm like, you can, I'm like, I just, uh, I have a little bit of a rebellion to me where I'm like, oh, you can tell me I have a song actually like, I actually wrote a song about this, which now is getting signed to black book, um, where it's like, uh, when they tell me what to do, I don't listen. When they tell me what to do, I just do what I want. And I give them nothing because it's not about you. I can do whatever I want. If I want to make underground music, I'll make underground music. If I want to do commercial stuff, I'll do commercial stuff. Um, doesn't mean that I'm any better or worse as an artist. Mm. I, you know, but I, I do get very like rebellious towards that attitude of like, Oh, she's just not underground enough. You know, like, yeah, she's not playing like weird music enough or she's not on like this label or whatever, you know, I don't know. I, I, I give pretty- I've never been cool enough to be underground. So <laughs> it's, it's like always been a thing for me where I was like, I've always had the, like the, the want to be cool and underground, but it's just never happened for me. And I think it's something that I actually grew to, laugh about myself is that like i'm just never going to be cool enough to be that cool person that everyone's like oh my god they're so cool and underground which we will have somebody that we i don't know but i don't know about you but we will look up to people that are like oh my god imagine being that artistical have that amount of artistical freedom and but realistically we all do if we want right i mean and I'll do it occasionally, right? I had that Nicki Nair EP. I did like, even the Pets one was kind of on the border, Mm. kind of weird. Um, But, and this is like kind of where that data thing comes in again. It wasn't like as satisfying. To release a record that was like underground wasn't as satisfying as releasing a record where everyone's like, wow, this is so good. Because we have to remember like, the community for people that are that like and listen to underground music is primarily other other DJs. Yeah. <laughs> and like a small handful of like, you know, fans. Mm. Um, granted, like there is a level where you could become like a Fortet, right? But like I would say he's had a couple commercial fortet. successes in terms of dance for- music at this point. I think the thing with Fortet is that he's actually extremely commercial and people aren't willing to accept that he's extremely yeah. commercial. <laughs> right. Like if the data's there, right? But anyway, so yeah, like I I had that um I had these releases and I was like, man, this doesn't feel nearly as good as when everyone is so happy and excited about a record release. Mm-hmm. Uh and I and I I do play my pets record in DJ sets. Um, but like I don't play my underground EP in DJ sets because and this is something that I've actually like identified years ago, is that like I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. There's like this kind of um and the the emotion that like under some underground music, uh, like creates is kind of this like isolating cold feeling, mm. and uh, and this is not necessarily true for everything, but this is like what I've noticed um, with like the extremely non catchy like yeah. underground stuff that some people really enjoy playing, um, is that I just feel cold and like I don't know, and I like to create warmth. I want I want the room to feel hot, sweaty, and mm. warm. You know, so it's kind of weird. I, I yeah, I, I I can kind of relate in a in the opposite way, where like at this moment in time, I'm writing a lot more vocal based records, a lot more, and I'm struggling to get them in my sets because I don't necessarily play super vocally house records. So to the point where <clears throat> my next like biggest single that's coming out in September, like 
I've gone and rewrote that whole record. So it fits in my sets, but it also has the vocals. Whereas before it was like quite melodic y and like chord based and it still worked as a club record, but I just didn't feel like I could put it in my sets and feel comfortable that it's gonna slam every time. I'm it's like more so one it would be like more so like the one for the fans. So it's like now I'm trying to be like, okay, how do I make a song that is that has been written as a song into a club record that still works as a song, but also works in a situation where I can play it in my sets. Right. Because I love playing really obscure records in my sets just to see what happens to the crowd. I mean, I do, I guess I play obscure records, but I, and I'll play a lot of different genres. When I first started working with Barkley, I always said, I was like, oh, I'm open format underground, but there has to be, I don't know what it is that I'm looking for in records when I play them, but there is like some level of catchiness totally. or groove to it. Mm. So that even if it is underground, it still has like, has to be a good record at the end of the day, a vibe. I mean, I could technically go and like, just go off kilter into like a crazy breaks thing, which I do sometimes, but yeah, sorry. Let me, I just realized my computer's not plugged in. (laughs) (laughs) All right. About to die. We're 47 minutes in. Good job. We uh, didn't lose power. And this is my second podcast so far. Can you hear me now? Yeah. We're back. Yeah, this is my yeah. second po- second podcast that I'm recording today and Oh wow. My room, I've got another one after this and my room is starting to get really fucking sweaty. It's not nice. Uh-oh. And too I can't, much, much energy. You're too like. much sweat. Um <laughs> that's one thing the Dirty Bird crew have always been really good at is kind of I've I like that the open format vibe of they yeah. and they've always done a really good job and that's kind of where I learned it the most is that you can actually you don't just have to play one thing through your sets you can jump around and kind of as long as it works right it's um it's a really interesting concept because I think my not my introduction but like a huge part of my career growing up was in Ibiza and that was in 2008 and then that was like through the minimal house days and it was it's a very so purist culture there for sure um or in general like europe i think has a very like a hard uh, purist like attitude mm. towards music i mean i don't think scream is like that but like um there that is like a a thing and for a long time in like my own instagram bio i used to have like anti-purist like nope i am not i am not a purist by any means i think it's personally kind of boring but <laughs> yeah i think that's the thing is i just i just want people to have fun and i, right. I don't think everybody wants to listen to the same record over and over again or the same loop right. there's very interesting djs that i want to kind of say who who they are because yeah it's probably not fair but they're massive djs huge djs 
and they walk this line of being very boring, but then play like one or two records throughout the set that is that isn't a like it's just a huge record generally that would be a big record in everyone's sets but but the way they've played it and because the crowd is so bored for such a long time <laughs> the bar is set so low yeah. that like the small little bump is like ah! it's like <laughs> no and it is and I, and i think there's there's been records that have like blown up because of those moments and yeah, that's interesting. it's really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting how the art of DJing can completely change things on like you'll play one record at one point of, of, of the night and then you'll play it the next day at a different part of the night and it would be a completely different record. It would sound completely different it would be response. The response would be completely different, which is weird. Yeah. That is definitely the biggest part of the art of DJing is like how the records are played and like at one point. And that is something that I have noticed because like you could down, you could find a song and download it and play it in your set and it'll maybe sound awkward. Mm. Then you like listen to this other DJ play it and it flows perfectly with this Mm. other thing. And it just creates this big momentous, like, you know, explosion. And it's, I'm like, okay, that is like such a huge part of it. I'm always so jealous of that. (laughs) When you like play, play the record and you're like, oh, it didn't do what it did for that person. And I'm like, what happened? Such a fucker. What happened? I I had it with, so I did for my last LA show, I think it was in exchange. um, I made like an intro track of, my record of search my record called searching and that was one of the records that i struggled to play in my sets because it's a little bit more song based and vocally and so i was like fuck it let's make an intro record for it and the dj before me was playing live so there was like a changeover and i then so there was like a lot of silence there's probably like five ten minutes of silence and then I played the intro, which was the searching record, and it fucking went off. Like it was like I was ah. like, shit the bed. Like this works really well. Oh and, cool. And then literally the night after I did exactly the same thing and it just fell on its ass. No. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, yeah, it really is just kind of like you have to like read like feel the room out and yeah. be like, is it time to yeah. do this? Um yeah, it's so weird. Cause I, I also started recently like incorporating my own vocals like live. Oh, really? Time. Yeah, I mean it just makes sense. I mean I do vocals for my music anyway, and a lot of the vocals that I'm playing are really hype. I'm yeah. like just yelling on a microphone, so it just kind of gets everyone really riled up. But it works. So it works really well in like super big rooms. Yeah. And then like smaller rooms, it's kind of like meh, you know. So it is, is that because you to, feel like, more yeah. awkward? No, it's just like, I think the energy is not right. Mm. So even if it is like a sold out show, like they'll just, it's like, ah, you know, it's like a smaller room, maybe it's a daytime. I don't know. I just noticed that like certain places it works really well and other places it doesn't. I don't know. 
No, I feel you. For instance, like I was, I was at Electric Forest, killed it, right? Like everyone loved the vocals. They thought that was super fun. It got a lot of people to come to my stage, Mm -hmm. which was great because you're really fighting for attention at festivals. (laughs) Um, But then I played in DC, which maybe it's just not that type of crowd. They're not as like, woo, you know, they're a little bit more like. You're pretty much know. DJing to a bunch of politicians. Culturally, they're just a little bit you're, more put together. Yeah, you're DJing to a what? bunch of politicians. Right. <laughs> um, so, so, so I'm like, maybe they just don't want like a, a rowdy girl, you know? Also, it was bad timing. Like, I flew in the day after the Roe versus Wade thing, and so I was just like, yeah, that's not a good I'm time. Just like yelling about like being a bad bitch, and I'm just like, I don't. <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> oh yeah that's probably not especially dc uh, as much that i'm not talking shit on dc but it's a very interesting city it's a it's an interesting culture i spoke a lot with the people that threw the party and then like also their friends about mm. just like the things that i had noticed culturally about that city that i was like wow this place is interesting um i can i can go on like my psychoanalysis of dc come on psychoanalysis i want to hear it <laughs> my <laughs> Um, it's just, um, no, I don't know if I want to go into (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like personally we can talk about it. I don't want to like talk about it publicly, but you know what? People were really nice out there and I had a good time. The hospitality was awesome. And they took me on a boat. I got to see like, it was a good, it was a good party. Um, there was like one guy that like, there was one guy that kept requesting music and he like, and it was, he was requesting all like men. He's like, so it was like Mac Miller, John Summit. And I was just like, you know, and maybe it's just because of the times I, we're in right now, but he like turned to the girl and he's like, she's a man hater. What? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? I'm like, I've, I play men's music all the time. I just don't have those artists. Like yeah. I don't play that. Um, and then it like de-escalated or no, it escalated Escalade. into like more just chaos with that guy. He I just sounds right. like a dickhead. <laughs> he just sounds like a dickhead. Oh, he wasn't good. He no. was not a good one. I I got I actually got asked to play Drake the other day. Oh, because Drake's house music now. No, but it wasn't even Drake's house music. It was before the oh, album no. came out. <laughs> it's, it amazes me because I actually love the... I love the... This sounds really condescending and I don't mean it in a condescending way, but I love the naivety of of somebody coming into a club that's never experienced a house show before or something like that and asking the DJ to play Drake because that's what they do every weekend. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny is, and I was just talking about this with someone like, uh, given how like much conversation there is about song requests Mm. you would think by now like everyone would know not to do that but i guess not maybe they just don't know i have no idea but you would think maybe or maybe they just don't care i don't know i i think there's so many i think what happens is we if you think about our world is our world to us It's, it's it's the only thing that happens right our world in the grand scheme of the world is fucking tiny. Oh, I, yeah, like, that's true. Super tiny. So you get somebody that is part of a friend group 
that one of their persons or two of the people in that friend group knows who's DJing and then they just drag everyone else along. And in that friend group, 90% of them all go to hip hop clubs every weekend or open format clubs and request songs. So I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also disagree because our world is so small. Like our, like, yeah. although we, ha although we see like 5,000 cap venues, like festivals, 100,000, like EDC is like, but realistically in EDC, our world in EDC is still tiny when mm -hmm. you compare it to like the Tiestos and all of those guys. And then you go and listen to what Tiesto is releasing and you're like, okay, yeah, this is worlds apart. Like this isn't even comprehensible. Like you can't put two and two together. So yeah, it's fucking annoying. <laughs> but we're just, we're in, we are the underground of music. Yeah. Even though we're not like the deepest trenches of the underground. No. Still underground. Yeah, One definitely. thing I started doing recently is like, I have like a couple normie friends uh, and I'll ask them, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'll ask them, I'll be like, so what's your, what are your thoughts? Like when, when a DJ is posting on uh, Instagram, like, Oh, uh, take a giveaway. Like, what's your thoughts? And they'll, and like my friend, like, I love her. She's like, Oh, that's so nice. That means like he wants to be nice. And I'm like, okay, like to us, it's like, oh, the show's not doing well. We have to do a ticket giveaway, right? Like, <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> to like her, she's like, oh, wow, what a nice DJ. Yeah. But it's nice to like, I like to like ask just to see like what the general pop thinks. And I'm like, oh, okay. I like how you call your friends a normie. Yeah. Do you say that to her face? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I once went on a date with a guy who referred to himself as a normie to me. How did that day like, go? I was like, I was like, all right, well, it's nice knowing you. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> could you, could you date, did I take you, you've dated guys outside of the music industry? Um, I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone on dates, Yeah, but I don't think I've dated anyone that's like, that isn't involved at this point for do the you, last few years. Do you think it's easier to date somebody in the industry? I just kind of keep to like my circle yeah you know so yeah i mean I, having something in common really helps mm, yeah, right yeah. um lifestyle mm. also because like a normie as this person was saying wakes up at 6 a.m yeah goes to bed at 8 <laughs> or something like that <laughs> um so it's kind of like and like uh like another thing he was saying was like oh, i'm just trying to get used to the idea this was like our second date oh i'm just trying to get used to the idea of like going out every weekend I'm like, yeah. I'm like me going out every weekend doesn't even mean that I'm partying. Like no, it just means yeah. that I'm like stopping by this show to say hi to a friend, stopping by this show mm -hmm. to say hi to another friend, uh, you know, things like that. It's like, a, maybe it's like networking. Um, but yeah, so I, I think definitely like I've had to, I've stuck within the, the industry just because at least I don't feel judged <laughs> uh, for my lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. It's tough, isn't it? The whole dating thing. Oh yeah. Because I think I mean, especially as a girl, like I'm not, I'm not out here dating my like fans, for instance, yeah. like, I, cause I think for guys, I feel like that's like, the, okay. Um, why, why is it not for, okay for a woman? Well, I just, I'm like, who is this person? Is he going to kidnap me? Like, I don't know. You know, like I get like, kind of like scared, you know, yeah. I'm like, it's kind of like a safety thing. Um, and you know, maybe like, I don't know how it works for other people, but like, I just, yeah, I try to keep, 
protected. <laughs> I, I respect that totally. And I, I, I think <laughs> I think it's definitely different for a woman to date generally. There's the safety aspect of it, right? That's, yeah, that we yeah. don't have as guys like, let's be honest, there's not many guys getting beaten up by their girlfriends or anything like that. <laughs> like, And if you are, fucking go to the gym. Um, <laughs> sorry to anybody that has been. I apologize. That was a joke. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it must be tough. It, yeah, it's weird. Um, cause really like my dating pool then becomes like other degenerate DJs, which is not, not, not my choice, not my first choice. Um, and, and then it's like, or like music managers, which I've done, I've dated music managers before. Yeah. That's fine. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of weird. It's not, it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I've like dated people in the, I've dated a DJ before, but I've never been in a relationship with somebody in the industry. Like I've, I've been single for God knows how long. So I, yeah, I've dated people and I've seen people in the industry, but like, I don't think, yeah, I've never had a relationship with somebody in the industry as such. Yeah, I, I've had a couple, um, and they've all kind of fallen apart for different reasons, but <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. <laughs> do you find it generally hard to have a relationship in the role of what we do as, as, as life? Um, yes. Also part of it was I was really young. Mm. Um, and I like after my last one, <laughs> After, yeah, I guess my last one, uh, I like started seeing a therapist. Um, I was like, something's <laughs> wrong here. I'm not choosing the right people. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think like I was just young and naive. Um, and then I went through like my party phase. Yeah. So that, obviously that's not like a very stable place to be dating. Um, but like, I think at this point now it's different. Um, like I just... Like stability is something that I'm looking for. Whereas before I was kind of looking for adventure yeah. and I don't think like any stable relationship exists within adventure, yeah. <laughs> but now I'm like traveling so much every weekend that I'm like, I don't, I just want something like chill, you know? Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. My also, my kind of um, battle with it is also, it's like how much time am I willing to give that actually gets taken out of my career? Because there's always got Ooh. there's always got to be compromise, right? And like that evening or that day where I should be in the studio, like I do so much, like touring, podcast, writing music, and anything else that I'm trying, like catching up with, and everything else in the career that you kind of have to do. It takes up so much of your time, and, right? And then it's, on, it's a twenty four seven job. Yeah, it's not a nine to five at all. It's like literally every the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep and mm -hmm. then it's like how much of that like i see my family and my friends a very small part of that and then how much of that do i want to give up to then give to somebody else more on a full-time basis and it's like the compromise is hard for me what i've like realized is the ideal situation would be someone that is uh, just really stable. <laughs> so from personal experience, someone who's really stable, maybe they work in the industry, so they, they understand the lifestyle, 
Um, and they also maybe can add value to your life in mm. a way, but also is like really just like cool with not seeing you that often. Yeah. Like that is the perfect scenario. So like a pen you're like Wednesday nights, that's when I get to see you any other night. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I'm not going to be in town. I'm working. I'm, you know, whatever. But like, that's kind of like the perfect, I think, balance. I think that um, sounds perfect. Once a month, yeah. once a month, I see you and it's great. <laughs> And there's no worry about it. We're not like fighting over like attention or anything like that. Like, it's just like chill, like stable chill. Like that's the, that is like the perfect scenario, um, which I do think exists. I don't think it um, exists though. It does. I, I think it exists. I, I, name, have you, do you, have you, do you have any friends that are in a relationship like that? Where they like see their partner like once a month? Like, Yeah. Um, okay. All my friends are single. So, I mean, <laughs> so, um, but no, I mean, ask Taylor. She's in love now. Please. <laughs> With who? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I mean, she's not a good example. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like, I don't know. I've, I know people that make it work. Mm. I know people that like have found ways. There's plenty of relationships in this industry. So there, there's oh, obviously totally, ways. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. Um, but perhaps you're just also not in that point in your life where you're like willing to make the space at the moment. Yeah. I'm just super, sel super selfish, which be selfish. Live I know. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I support that. I mean, I, I kind of like, this year, uh, like whenever I started like dating again, I was like telling people very upfront, like first time, I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah. I don't have any expectations of anything. This is my schedule. So let's see what happens. Mm. And like, really that kind of weeds out the people that aren't willing to deal with that. Then it's the secondary thing is like, it weeds out the people that like self-combust yeah. um and then you get left with like the good like the cream of the crop yeah. like the the people that can handle the lifestyle and like aren't like nervous about what you're doing and things like that you know yeah yeah i think i think honesty is the best way right honest in in, in all walks of life but like i think in starting out and setting your your boundaries at that point where it's like you're not the be or an endo in my life like i I don't need you as a person and this is what's way more important in my life. And if you're willing to s slip in when it suits us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think someone who has like a really good sense of self has their own passions and art or whatever, like I say art, it could be a career. Yeah. Um, but like whatever it is, something, someone that's like really preoccupied with their own life as well. Mm. That's like the perfect mix. Yeah. Cause you don't want someone that doesn't have anything going on in their life. Right. Because then you become their life it's and that's dangerous. not healthy. It's really dangerous. Yeah. Right. And so, and you don't want someone that's going to get like, you know, Oh, they don't have time for me. Well, I don't have time for them. You know, like, <laughs> so you gotta find someone that's just like, Oh, Hey, it's good to see you again. What's good? You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. No, I like that. Um, talking of relationships, how did the relationship with you and Dirty Bird kind of evolve into where it's at? Um, well, so I w had been releasing self-releasing music in 2019 mm. to some minimal success, right? Like my first release on this EP that I did 
it got like a hundred thousand plays wow. all on my own. I, it was cool. Like I was like, holy crap, I did it. Um, but what I realized is that it didn't necessarily mean I got any fans. Mm-hmm. So, um, explain that I had- because I think there's some people that are on here that are like hundred thousand people. 100,000 streams means you're clearly successful. Like, why does that not correlate into fans? Because they're, uh, especially because of Spotify now, it's a passive list, uh, listener. So it's just someone that discovered my music on a playlist. Mm-hmm. And maybe they do follow me as a result of that, but it, they're not buying tickets to my shows yeah. and at that point i was still a local dj so the shows i was playing weren't really notable to yeah. begin with um so yeah it just didn't translate into mm-hmm. like like I, maybe they followed me on instagram but yeah. it didn't mean that i like i got like ticket buyers yeah yeah so then i like made a conscious decision at that point i was like i need to work with a label whatever label comes my way at this point and i was living with a girl who worked with dirty bird and she's like look they're looking for more women if you want to see if there's like something that can happen there and i was like all right cool so i had a conversation with barkley and i was like i don't the funny thing about this is actually the year prior i told andy claude von stroke's wife because she's like oh submit music to me and at that point i was like no i want to go a fortet route i don't make dirty bird music i don't know how to you know um and like i was i was like deep in like my weird underground stuff um so then like again a year later i'm talking to barkley and i'm like listen like i have not ever even made anything remotely dirty bird in my life like i don't that's not where i come from uh i come from like a weird underground rave background where i'm playing like lights down low parties um and i'm like making like down tempo music and weird deep house and stuff like that um and he's like perfect because <laughs> i guess he was like looking to shift the sound anyways um and so uh he's like okay like let's just like try this out mm-hmm. and uh, of course COVID hit a month later um and he's like well this is a really good opportunity for you to like hone in on your production and get really really good at making electronic music while everyone else is like quarantined mm-hmm. um so i did and we wrote i wrote red with steve darko um steve's amazing. i wrote what steve's amazing oh genius yeah there's so many geniuses in this industry it's so easy to just fall into a trap and be like what am i even doing here because like there's so many like just like out of this world yeah. producers but that's besides the point um i like uh i wrote red <laughs> i wrote sun is hot which is like Definitely more in line with my personal taste, mm. um, which is like a very like Miami kind of deep house vibe. Yeah. Um, so I wrote, wrote, and it's more indie, uh, wrote Sun is Hot, then I wrote Psychic Attack, then I wrote Everything is Burning and Wet State. And that was all within 2020. Um, so then Barkley's like, oh, okay, this works. <laughs> He's like, this works for me. And then that's when I started. So then I, all of 2020, I spent most of the year just collaborating with other people because I had never collaborated with anyone before. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let me like write a song with Ardalan and Nikki Nair and Cats and Dogs and Ernesto and like literally like oh, Walker and Royce, yeah. like all of these people that I like would never have had access to had I not had like some of the success I had with writing like for um dirty bird Mm. um and that was like primarily what i did in 2021 so yeah so now then it expanded but like barkley was pretty clear that he wanted me to release music 
um, outside of Dirty Bird, that it would be better for everyone, including the label, if I was an artist that was also releasing on like Black Book or Pets or something like that. Yeah, Barkley initially never used to like that. He used to hate it when artists went from like one label to the other. And then I think he realized the like, well, hang on a minute. This person, this artist is still staying on my label and then also gaining more fans on another label and then bringing them back to my label. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. No brainer. Um, What Dirty Bird have done community wise is amazing. And I agree. It's, it, it gave me my career at the beginning um and it's super important to have a community to gain fans did you see like a a big change the minute you signed today absolutely especially because i was doing i was doing tv party which was the live stream on dirty birds channel yeah i was starting to interact with a lot of fans as well um and then the music came out and then i was doing the shows like the dirty bird barbecues and stuff like that so yeah i mean like a huge portion of my fans came from like the dirty bird community Mm. for sure um and that's like such a solid foundation um to build a career on um and that's kind of what uh i realized i needed back in 2019 was like i i need a platform Mm. because i could release music but i certainly don't have the money to like blast it out into everyone's ears um well i also don't think money Sorry to butt in, but I don't think money actually helps anymore. As right, much. I, I know. Think, it's kind of like... Like, I was having conversations with uh, A&R from a major record label. And even they were saying, like, if the record just doesn't connect, it doesn't connect. And it's not like you can force people to hear it. And with like there's no amount of money like they can't make it get on spotify playlists now they can't do any of this what they used to be able to do yeah also i read this article recently that said that uh as a result of tiktok and gen z like they're not really listening to new music as much anymore Mm -hmm. they're listening to like 80s and like 90s and they're like listening to throwback songs well for them they weren't even alive but like which makes sense which makes sense why the the tech house that's going on right now that is like literally sampling 90s hip-hop and 90s r&b why it's popping off so well because you're taking these amazing records that have done number one millions and millions of actual sales not not even streams not even downloads like record sales and then turning them into a club record by just putting a tech house beat to it and everyone's wondering why the fuck are these records doing so well that's why i mean i think it's cheesy but that's just my personal thing i think it's fucking awful if i'm honest i think it's awful i get why people do it though i mean like edm did the same thing right edm remixes of all your favorite hip hop songs and stuff like that. Like I get it. Um, that's never going to go away. It's like a necessary evil. Um, is it for me? No, but I respect other people that do it and see success through it. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, like that's what they were saying is that like a lot of, uh, like running up the hill, for instance, it's like, uh, Gen Z is making older songs popular, which is then flooding the market and it's making Mm. it really hard for like new artists to cut through. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really interesting. TikTok is something that I find super fascinating. It's like, do you use I, it? I do use it, and I use it mostly just to like rant, mm. uh, post videos of shows. But 
um, I use it to like for educational things, I guess, like talking about how I got started with Dirty Bird yeah. or how I got started with DJing or what my songs are about. My most popular video is me talking about what my song with Artelon is about. Mm. Um, and uh, just like the story behind it. Mm. So it's kind of like, it's a great platform. I can see like, like you can really like up your numbers incredibly by just like consistently posting. It's a lot of work, so I don't do that. <laughs> I would basically have to stop making music. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's a full-time job, isn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I'm sure there's like an easy way to do it. If I just like did a video every day, like, what's up? This is something funny. And then like put my phone down and like just didn't care. And I think that's this, this uh, tactic that I saw work with everyone is that if you post every single day yeah. for like two months, your user engagement will go crazy and like, you'll pop off. So I just, I can't, I can't do it. I tried, <laughs> I tried and I was just like, Oh, I just, it's, it's not authentic to me. I, I don't see for me, it just doesn't work. I wish it Maybe did. You just haven't found your niche yet. My, there is not a niche for me. <laughs> like I was well, talking- you could just do this. This is like a good example of something you could post on TikTok. Yeah, I, I've been encouraging everyone. I even I was even talking to Tita about it. I was like, post a piano video. I want to see a piano video on like TikTok. Yeah, um, I do post. I occasionally post on these, but honestly, like I forget about TikTok because I'm I don't even look at the platform, so I forget yeah. that it's there. What ideally I need to do is pay somebody to post to like run my TikTok and just like post. We, uh, I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> And just like post, and <laughs> we like, all we all wish there was someone to do it. <laughs> yeah, I because realistically, is like I don't, I, I I enjoy Instagram. I enjoy posting on Instagram, and I enjoy interacting with people on Instagram. I hate Twitter, but I barely use Twitter really. I just kind of post and ghost on Twitter. But Instagram's like the one for me. So, and it's not even because on TikTok I have I have barely any followers. It's not even that. Even I think even if I had a million followers on there, I wouldn't. I just couldn't handle it. It's a lot. Um, I don't know. Once you get into it, it's just ADD. So it's like, once you get into TikTok and like the generated content on there and like posting your own and starting to follow suit with like what people want to see. Yeah. When you go back to Instagram, you're like, oh, this is so boring. Mm. There's nothing going on over here. It's like a ghost town. <laughs> So it's kind of, you start to like notice it is like, um, it like messes with your mind a little bit. Maybe I'm just an old boring man that just likes boring places. <laughs> You're just a millennial, you know, <laughs> they just put you in the graveyard over there. What? Yeah. What am I? I don't even know what I am. Am I a millennial? I don't know. I don't know how old you are. I'm 32. Oh yeah. You're a, you're a millennial. What are you? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a millennial also. When were you born? 93. Yeah, 90s babies. We're the, we're the best. I don't care what anyone says. We're the best. I believe it. Like, we had the best <laughs> of both worlds. We knew... Uh, we knew the good world and the bad world. <laughs> did you know life before the internet? Um, yes. But mostly, I remember life when the internet started. Because I yeah. was in middle school. So I had, I grew up with like Neopets yeah, and yeah, MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> MySpace. Yeah. And MSN Messenger. 
Yes, AOL. I had AOL. AOL, yeah. We, AIM and AOL wasn't big in the UK. It was only MSN. So like, Interesting. it was weird. We'd like, I don't know, looking back at it, we're fucking mentalists. We'd spend all day at school and then go home and talk on MSN to our friends all night long. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was for me as well. Yeah. I'd have my AIM thing and be like, surfer chick. Like, I never even surfed back then. Like, I didn't, uh, surfer chick, just pro- projecting who I wanted to be um, as an 11-year-old. And then I would... <laughs> I would go and I'd talk to, yeah, like all the cute skater boys that I like yeah. <laughs> and and skater boys that I've never even met from other high schools. Uh, or I'd end up in like some like AIM chat room and I'd be talking to some guy who loves Slipknot in Michigan. And I'd be like, yeah, I like Slipknot too. Never heard of them in my life. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, pretending I was like, yeah, I was the cool surfer I was big chick. on the internet for a while. Yeah. Having a persona that no one can judge you by. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Just creating complete aliases of, yeah, of it was interesting, but like some, I have friends. Oh, oh that's me. One second. I'm, I'm still I'm here. Like, what happened my, to you? My camera just overheated. So we're on a different camera now. Oh, wow. <laughs> the conversation's too hot. Yeah, literally. It's the thing with these cameras is that they don't like when you're on them for like three, four hours. <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah, the internet growing up was really interesting. Um, yeah, it was cool. I I really like, uh, I like met my first boyfriend in high school on MySpace and AIM. We would talk on AIM every night. That's cute. Um, my first, like my first very close friend I met on AIM we're still friends to this to this day. He he's a chef, um, and yeah, we met on like MySpace and AIM, and uh, it's just like weird. It is weird. I never really met anybody on line such as that, like that. I had MySpace, and I had I had AIM after like when I got older for music because you could download you could get people to send you music and it would automatically download and then you'd like wake up and it would you'd have a fuck ton of music oh nice um but i didn't really i'm i must have i i met people through bebo can you remember bebo was that a thing oh i i don't know bebo (laughs) yeah i think that was a uk thing um but bebo was like it was like the, the first facebook so it's very similar to myspace but a little bit different like your page wasn't it It was a bit like less cool but it was more about meeting people meeting friends and stuff interesting yeah is myspace still around i think so but i don't really know who uses it no me neither damn facebook that was them. a good platform it, it, it did really not was. need to die it didn't need to die we didn't need facebook look what, look what happened well the thing is is facebook was amazing when it started and then it got shit. <laughs> like I was like one of the first people, I swear I was like one of the first people on Facebook. I had to lie about my age because it was mm. designed for like high school and college. Yeah. Um, and I was still in middle school when I signed up. <laughs> Rebel. Yeah, I but yeah. I remember when I first got Facebook. And it was it was when I was promoting 
so it was about like adding as many people from a certain city that like all wanted to listen to house music and i was trying to like sell tickets to shows and i still go on facebook now and i haven't deleted anyone off there so like oh wow like if i i i never use facebook but if i go on facebook now it's like i don't Strangers. know i don't know any of them not a single and you were only allowed f- like four and a half thousand friends or something like that yeah so there's like four and a half thousand people and i probably know about 20 people on there it's awful wow yeah yeah i used it really like for friends and stuff and if i see someone that i don't recognize i delete them uh you can cu- can you come and just delete everyone off mine then I, but i don't ever <laughs> use it i don't ever use it it's kind of it's it's weird how things have i don't really use it either no it's just for like the fa- facebook fan page mostly I, I just post that. i i just post is that better oh hang on Sorry, i'm turning this light off because it's fucking bright in my eyes i <laughs> just use it um I, I don't even use it i just put everything to post through instagram yeah that's exactly what i do as well yeah. as like i share it yeah. from instagram fucking social media eh? I know it's, I know I was talking about this with Barkley. He's like, I just don't understand like how people, cause um, he's just like, I don't understand how people are not like writing more music or like doing like that, you know? And I'm like, like Barkley, when you started your career, you didn't have social media to worry about every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, he's like, yeah, but I, I got press stuff and I'm like, it's not the same. So different. Managing four different accounts is not the same for TikTok. If it takes me like an hour to write a good TikTok at minimum, uh, who's got time. That's just like chipping away at your life, you know? Yeah. There's the argument that a good record will, will, will kind of overpower any of that. Well, say that to Aspen Forest, who is, who has released the best indie album of the year and no one knows it. I think, it's so good. I think there's a level. You have to send me a link of this album you've gone on about. I will. It's it's. Should we try? It and make really it feels like AI wrote it. Really, it's like it's too perfect. What's your thoughts on AI right making music? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I like it. Well, I don't know if they'll ever be able to really, unless they create AI that can that is like a sentient being with emotion mm. and stuff like that. I don't think AI will ever really capture emotion. Yeah, I agree. Fuck AI. But I'm also like uh, of the philosophy of the the tragic artist. So like for me, like writing music and art and stuff like that is very much like about the human experience, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Well, I think it's, I think it's a way to express emotions and other people to be able to attach their own emotions and feelings to whatever that is that you're doing. Right. Yeah. And I, and I really try to be like vague, but specific. Mm. So like, uh, sun is hot. I wrote about like global warming, but it also sounds like it's a very sexy song about like, is it me or is it getting hotter? You know, like (laughs) I, I try to keep it like vague, but also very kind of like specific in that way. Same thing with everything is burning. I wrote that about like roommate drama, Yeah. but, um, but it's also about climate change because I was writing it and a mountain was on fire Mm. across from me. (laughs) Um, or like, 
actually like what's really funny is that psychic attack is pretty pretty obvious about what psychic attack is about it's about the news right yeah um but it's funny i had a fan in el paso come up to me and be like i know it's not about that but it really struck a chord with me because i just got out of this terrible relationship and i felt like i was under a psychic attack and i was like oh, damn i'm so it works anyways yeah, yeah i think that's the thing is like there's that saying is once the record's out, it's not yours. And it's for yeah. everyone else's perception. And I listen. I think I listened to, I can't remember who it was as an artist. They're like a real famous singer. And they were like, they don't tell the press or anyone what the record's about. Because it's then, a it's about whatever anybody wants it to be about. And the kind of the perception, yeah. the perception of that is kind of a, a beautiful thing, I think. Yeah, I wrote, um, I have an EP coming out next week and on it'll my be own, out, like, it'll be out already by the time this is, oh, this okay. Out. I have an EP out <laughs> called, uh, uh, the EP is called get familiar, but there's a song on it. Uh, I wrote it with Ernesto. It's on my like mm. own label imprint, um, called me Domina, if you want to find it. Um, but anyway, so the song is called God complex. And I wrote that song initially like mocking DJs on Twitter. Mm. Cause I was like, it was just like, everyone thinks they know so much on Twitter, right? Like everyone's got this like God complex that they like know everything. Um, but now with everything going on in the world, I'm like, Oh, maybe it means more than that. <laughs> I'm like, it, it the meaning changes for me also. <laughs> so I like, yeah, I try to keep it vague cause it kind of fits with the times that way. Yeah. I think, Fucking hell, Twitter is a wild place as well, thinking about it. It's the wild west of opinions that we didn't need. 100%. And people taking things the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, in, yeah, it's not good. Not good. Um, Nala, we've just done an hour and a half. Okay. Let's wrap I this know, up. I was like, when does this end? <laughs> Let's wrap this up. We're, just, we're just talking at yeah, this point. We're not even... I, know. <laughs> I was like... Let's, Let's call it cool this one. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Before we go, how can people follow you and get part of the Nala life? I don't know what just happened then. The audio went weird. Okay, well, I guess you could follow me on uh like at this is Nala. Most of my socials are like this is Nala, some variation of that. So amazing thanks so much for coming on mate i really appreciate thanks it thanks for having me it was so great catching up no, with you I'm, <laughs> I'm in la in the end of july um oh cool so let's try catch up yeah let's do it cool peace out mate keep safe see you soon bye Bye. and that's a wrap thanks to nala for coming on please go share please send it to your mates subscribe keep safe see you next time Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.